0: You see the title of the message on the screen. On Sunday nights, we, we've been looking at uh, some passages from the book of Numbers. And our quest has been to understand the concept of, of leadership. And let me tell you something, that's a lifelong process. It's not something you, you don't ever get to be an expert on leadership. We see that from this very instance tonight. We're always learning, all of us. But one of the things that we've learned as we've walked through this is that leaders are God-appointed and God-anointed. We've learned that there's a difference in a leader uh, who is called by the congregation. and That's the term the Bible uses. It distinguishes those who are called by the congregation and those who are called and chosen by God. Godly leaders follow God's leadership and God's vision ...and not the opinions of men. A true spiritual leader has no passion to lead men... ...but a burning passion to follow God. Leadership is rewarding. It can also be difficult. It can be lauded or it can be lonely. And even the godliest of leaders... ...Moses, Jesus, Paul... ...are often opposed by those they lead. And as a result, in the struggle of such moments... Even good leaders can make bad decisions. Now, our focus has been on the leadership of Moses. He was one of the greatest leaders in the Bible, but even Moses made costly mistakes. It's never a mistake to obey God, even in the face of incredible opposition from the congregation, but it is a terrible mistake to disobey. So tonight, we're going to look at this moment in Moses' life, we're going to call it the disobedience of Moses when a good leader makes a bad decision. I don't think, and hopefully tonight we can put ourselves in Moses' shoes and imagine, it's hard for us, but let's, we're going to try to imagine the immense pressure uh, he faced as a leader. Inside every leader's heart are personal battles. You know that well. you got a job. Whatever that job is, you take home with you. You take home with you when you go to that job. If you've got a problem at home, if you've got a rebellious child, if you've got, if you've got a problem, you and your wife have had a fuss or something like that. Uh, I've been talking to Jason about that, you know, trying to prepare him for those moments. Uh, he, he, that's why he wore his high water boots tonight, because he was afraid I would say something about this. They're just those moments in life. And so if it's a school teacher or you're uh, a business person, Or you're a pastor, or you're a leader of any kind. You carry your life with you when you go. And so in those moments, it makes leadership particularly hard when you're juggling some other problem on the side. So Moses is not a perfect man, and uh, there are no perfect men. It's only the Lord Jesus Christ was perfect. We know that no man in the Old Testament really walked any more intimately with God uh, than Moses He was a leader who learned to lean on God for for his guidance, and his job impacted tens of thousands of people. He knew he couldn't do it alone, so he depended on God every day. He simply had to. Things were not perfect, but he seemed to have it all together as a leader until he lost one of the most important people in his world. You're going to see tonight that out of this bad decision that Moses made that really impacts all of scripture from that point forward because we look back to it. It came at a moment when his sister died. They buried her. And it seemed that sometime after the funeral, everything just fell apart. Maybe it's happened to you before or some somebody you know, some kind of tragedy or sorrow struck and everything just began to unravel. When spiritual leaders face personal and private battles <clears throat> It's a, good, it's a good thing to have some space, a reprieve. It would have been good if Moses could have had a sabbatical, if he could have had a few weeks off, but that's not always possible, and it wasn't for Moses. And he found himself in a weak and vulnerable moment. This man of great patience, the meekest man who ever lived, lost his patience. This man of unqualified obedience suddenly had a lapse in his obedience. It's found in the 20th chapter of numbers, We're just going to read to begin with the first five verses. Then the sons of Israel, the whole congregation, came to the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed at Kadesh. Now Miriam died there and was buried there. There was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves against Moses. The people thus contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had perished, when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our beasts to die here? Why have you made us come up from Egypt to bring us into this wretched place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or palm granites, nor is there water to drink. So number one, consider the crisis that confronted him. His sister had just died and had been buried. Uh, <clears throat> and now Moses, right on the heels of that, right on the heels of it, faced a crisis of leadership, similar to the one that he faced in the rebellion of Korah. Uh, There Moses proved himself a a godly leader, but here it appears, weakened as he was by grief, he was not ready for this crisis. Miriam, if you know anything about the Old Testament, for the most part, Miriam was a sister and she gave him some grief at moments. Maybe you've got sisters and they give you grief. I don't have any brothers or sisters, so I don't know how that feels. But for the most part, Miriam was a cheerleader in the camp. She often led the women in triumphant songs of praise. But at her death, the voice of melody was exchanged for the voice of murmuring, and 600,000 critics now raised their voices against Moses. I don't know if you've ever faced criticism of your leadership but you can have 1,000 people with you and 10 against you, and those 10 will seem like 10,000. So imagine how this felt for Moses. And you will remember it was Miriam, his sister, who watched by the river when he was just a baby in the basket when his mother put him in the little wicker basket. It was Miriam who watched. It was Miriam who told the daughter. Of pharaoh about the Hebrew woman, Jacobed, Moses' mother, who was later to nurse him as a child. So she was a supporter. She was a sister. She was a friend. And, and she died. And 600,000 critics rose up in her place. I always tell my wife, always, please come to church and be there with me. You know, because at least I've got one person with me. Sometimes. But it, that really, that's true. It is, it's always important for, for me To see her because that encourages me because when she's not with me, I don't feel somehow as strong as a leader or a preacher when she's not present. Verse 6. Then Moses and Aaron came in from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Now consider how Moses responded to this crisis. Pretty much... Almost like he always did. He and Moses, he and Aaron retreated from the presence of men into the presence of God. Mighty men of God pray. Genuine spiritual leaders pray. The rest talk about prayer. So Moses and Aaron took the matter to the Lord. So far, so good. God met him in that place of prayer. God had promised to meet whoever would come to the tent of meeting and and to meet them there. And and God met Moses. Uh, God's glory came down. Uh, And verse 7, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, assemble the congregation, and speak to the rock before their eyes. Now, I want just to tell you something. We haven't got to the end of the message yet. We're going to get to the end of the message in a moment. And this is so important in, in our church. Speak to the rock. before their eyes that it may yield its water you shall bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink so now we're going to just consider this direction that God gave to Moses remember the symbol of Moses leadership was the rod whenever Moses picked it up he had to remember that time you remember when when God told him That same old rod that he had, God said, lay it down. And when he laid it down, it became a snake. And the Lord said, pick it up again. And from that moment forward, Moses learned that any ordinary thing surrendered to God could be used mightily. Moses was never given a crown or a uniform with shiny medals. All he had was a stick, a rod. And if he would let God work in and through him, God would validate his leadership and work miracles through his hands. Now I know that sometimes in your own life, sometimes as a leader, sometimes in the church, we're, we are tempted to take situations into our own hands. We get in the middle of a crisis and maybe there's another crisis behind us at home or somewhere else and in the middle of that crisis, we get a little bit ahead of God. Don't do that, take the matter to the Lord And don't do anything until you've heard from him. And when he speaks, be completely obedient. Now, God's directions were specific and straightforward. Moses was to be obedient and trust God in the situation. Look at verses 9 through 11. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lift up his, lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came forth abundantly. And the congregation and the beast drank. You see anything wrong with that? Not right away. So consider Moses' response to God's direction. We don't know if it was anger or exhaustion or extremely vulnerable moment for Moses whatever it was he rose from the presence of God and with no specific instruction to do so and he rebuked the people have you ever gotten short with somebody uh, when you were stressed out about something and you got short with somebody else around you because you were stressed out I've never done that oh yes I have Moses was the meekest man who ever lived, according to the scripture. Never once did he demand leadership. Never once did he seek recognition or an authority. But in this case, it seems that he needed this moment to prove he was still in control. So instead of speaking to the rock, as God had said, Moses took the rod and struck the rock in a display of showmanship. And he struck it twice. Much as a television preacher Needs a spectacle to prove his anointing. Moses, plagued as he was by this personal and corporate crisis, needed this moment for himself. And it was the worst mistake of his long life of following God's leadership. Look at verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. So here's the next thing. We want to consider God's response to Moses' disobedience. Why did he deal with Moses so severely? You will remember God once said, or Samuel said to Saul, when God was about to reject him from being king, he said, "...has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to to heed rather than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king." Did you know that God always deals more severely with leaders than with others? The Bible says, let not many of you be teachers. I think that also includes deacons. Deacons are teachers in a lot of ways. Let not many of you be teachers, brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Moses failed to treat God as holy, and whenever we... When, whenever we, you or I, fail to treat God as holy, we terminate our opportunity to experience God. That does not mean we won't go to heaven. That does not mean that God will take us out. What that means is that we will fail to see and experience the mighty power of God in ways we might have had we been obedient. When you fail to be obedient to what God tells you, He will take your opportunity from you and He will give it to somebody else failure to be obedient freezes your opportunity to walk with God. You can't go on with God without disobedience and uh, without obedience and disobedience disqualifies. This was the greatest heartbreak of Moses' life. The feet that stood on holy ground that surrounded the burning bush, the feet that walked across the sandy bottom of the Red Sea on dry ground, the feet that stood amidst the glory that descended on Mount Horeb, the feet that were weary from wandering already in the wilderness, those feet would never be planted in the soil of the promised land. And no heart among all the Israelites yearned for Canaan like Moses' heart. No mind was ever directed toward a destination like Moses' mind toward Canaan. No one man wanted to be in any one place, like Moses wanted to be in Canaan. For all those years that Moses walked with God, Moses, this man of prayer, his heart had a passion for Canaan. But more than just to see it with his eyes, he wanted to walk barefoot in its rivers, breathe its air, and eat its fruit. But this disobedience in the life of Moses robbed him of that opportunity. The Lord said to Moses, Because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So what opportunity will you miss if you fail to be obedient? What opportunity will your church miss? What is God saying to you and what is it that God wants you to do? What difference will it make? if you fail to do it. Well, this one act of disobedience in Moses' life put a roadblock that God never intended for him. It altered the will of God for his life. Now, I want you to think about it. What perfect storm of professional, personal, or spiritual crisis threatens the plan that God has for your life or for your church? You know, sometimes, as preachers have often done, in a moment of frustration, they'll just get up and resign and say, I just, I'm going to quit. I resign tonight. I, I can't do it anymore. You've seen that happen. Throw in the towel. And it changes God's plans for every, forever for, for what he want, wanted to do in and through your life. Because there are moments in our lives when at that moment, All we can see is the stress, the grief, the gloom, the pressure of the pressing problem that makes you want to strike the rock in frustration rather than to speak softly in faith. Final question, most important question, end of the sermon. What was that rock in the wilderness? Maybe you never thought about it. 1 Corinthians Boy, here we are in 1 Corinthians again, chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Paul said, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. That's interesting, isn't it? How in the world? What in the world? Let me take you back. When Moses first started leading the people in the wilderness and they didn't have what they needed, they didn't have any water, God told Moses, he said, you need to take your rod and you need to smite the rock." And once you smite that rock, that rock will provide everything that you need. That's all he was to do, smite the rock. After once being struck, it never had to be struck again. All that required for them to receive water from the rock was faith. All the refreshment they needed flowed from that rock to strike it again even when, uh, to strike again, even once when God had said, speak, ask, seek, knock, was an insult to the spirit of grace when God was more than ready to provide. The rot was Christ. He was their provider. Now, question, who will provide what you need in your crisis, in your circumstances? Will your anger or your impatience or some rod of your hand do it for you. No, only Christ. He is your rock of refreshment in the wilderness of your circumstances. Speak to him. Ask him. Depend on him. This is the lesson we learn from the disobedience of Moses. This is what we take away from this moment when a good leader made a bad decision and it cost him his leadership. All we need as a church is Christ. All you need as a leader is Christ. All we need is a congregation to go forward into the promised land that God has for us is Christ. And he will provide whatever we need. Now, here's the danger. Anytime that I pick up my rod of leadership or you pick up yours and I say or you say, I am going to use my rod of leadership to exercise my authority or my power to exercise change in my church or in my own personal circumstances. Do you know what that is doing? It is smiting Christ. It is smiting the rock that promised to provide rather than waiting in faith and in obedience for Christ to do what only he can do. It is making the mistake of Moses and forsaking the great opportunity that lies before us that only God can give us. Everything is about just simply depending on God. We don't have in the church as leaders crowns. We don't have uniforms with shiny medals. All we have is the simple opportunity that God has given us That every day we lay it down and say, God, I won't pick it up until you tell me to pick it up. And I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And I'll watch you accomplish what only you can. That's the whole story. End of message. Let's pray.